Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we review Spider-Man Far From Home. Should a Nightmare Before Christmas be live action? And is Armageddon near when Taco Bell can only serve tacos? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our drive through food connoisseur of Humanican Media. You got to check out everything going on today at humanicamedia.com, Humanican Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. I've just heard through the news wires that everyone is panicking because Taco Bell is running out of tortillas for their burritos. Wait, this is an actual. I thought you were. There is a, a punchline in here somewhere. Is this an actual thing? Like that is an of, actual thing, man. An actual how, thing. How does that happen? How's how does Taco Place run out of tortillas? I don't know. I don't know. You'll just have to go there for tacos now, but it is an emergency. Taco Bell is dealing with a shortage of tortillas, man. It's it's um, maybe what the ingredients or whatnot, just the way they're being distributed, whatever's going on. It's just there's Taco Bells out there that are, are having to limit or actually just stop what's going on when it comes to tortillas because the production issues. Man, that's half their menu already gone. As long as they decide to keep those sweet, sweet cheese fries, you know what I'm saying? You know what? We should start a campaign. Bring the bell beefer back, man. That was awesome back in the day. The bell beefer. Do you remember the uh, the tacos that had the flaming hot Frito shells? Yes, yes. Never tried them, but I really appreciated the idea. So I would like to one day try that too. If they want to bring that back as well. There you go. There you go. Just in case the shortage of tortillas continues. And leads into something that long-term could be a panic of worldwide proportions. But before we get into what we're going to be talking about on today's show, I want to let everyone know out there that Congratulations You Suck is on the way. Is that not correct? There is a release date impending? 
Yes, yes. So I will, I guess July 9th, someone broke down the, the exact date of when I'm making the release date announcement. So July 9th, tune in and you'll find out when the book is coming out. So, yeah. Follow him on social media or actually as well, you can check out the episode for us that comes out on Friday the 12th. We'll also have that date listed as well. So if you want to check out our show then on the PCC Multiverse next week or Josh Peterson, his author Facebook page, you want to check that out. You want to follow him there. He'll actually list out the date when his book, Congratulations, You Suck, is expected to be released into the wild. I know you, you said you were going to be cool and send me a book and all, but I forgot. And I don't read much anymore. When is the audiobook out? At a later date. I don't know. I want to do an audiobook. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, I would love to do an audiobook. I don't think that I have the vocal chops to to carry an entire story all the way through, but I, I would like to find somebody that could read a book. <laughs> oh, wait, I just said I couldn't read a book. Oh, well, I just spoiled it for myself. But you know what? I've actually just gone through in the past 20 seconds my entire school history, and I just recalled that, yes, I can read a book or two. In fact, I have finished all the Mass Effect books in, you know, recently, Whoa, so I can look check out. it out. Yes, yes. So I was able to go ahead through that really easily. And I'll tell you what, I can go ahead and do that. Congratulations, You Suck by Josh Peterson. With a foreword by, I don't know, you fill in the name by somebody out there. Will you do the Pop Culture Cosmos voice when you say it? Yeah, okay. Congratulations, You Suck. <laughs> On this week's episode, Congratulations, You Suck All right. by Josh Peterson. The job's yours. There you go. There you go. Okay. I'll, I'll read one of the paragraphs, and, you know, just in that, in that voice, just for you, my friend, but just kidding. It is congratulations. You suck. It is coming out very soon. He's a release date is impending next week. Follow Josh today on his author social media that he has a separate page for on Facebook. And then also you can check out as well next week on the PCC multiverse, but we do have a great episode coming up here today for you. We're going to be reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home, or at least I will be sharing my thoughts on it. I guess we decided that it's probably best to just go ahead out there since every major outlet has already letting out their spoiler thoughts. So there is going to be some spoilers coming up when I talk about it here in just a minute when it comes to my review of Spider-Man Far From Home. We're also talking about today's show, The Lord of the Rings. It found a director for the first couple episodes someone who's done some great work in the past and we're going to talk about exactly what time frame it is for the lord of the rings and if we truly feel that it will connect with a worldwide audience we're also going to be talking about cyberpunk 2077 and all the things that are going on with it as far as future for the cyberpunk 2077 franchise and we're also going to close out the show with thoughts on nightmare before christmas because there are rumors and any popular Disney property you know is going to get this type of treatment, most likely. There are rumors that it might go live action. And we're going to share our thoughts on that as well. But first, my friend, it is Spider-Man Far From Home. We're recording this on Wednesday, just before the July 4th holiday. It just did a record amount of money for Tuesday night here domestically. About $40 million at the domestic box office for Tuesday. That's a record for a Tuesday opening. It is doing pretty good as far as overall the numbers are concerned. It's already done well over $100 million worldwide in its release. And it's 
probably going to end up, like I've said before on previously on the Monday show at Pop Culture Cosmos, is most likely going to do probably around, uh, let's say, a good $400 million worldwide, maybe even five. So that's a great start for a box office worldwide that is declining, that's having issues. China and the United States are both reporting down year over year as far as the numbers are concerned, even with Avengers Endgame dominating most of the box office share that's been out there this year. So I ask you, my friend, do you think Spider-Man Far From Home is exactly what the box office needed? I don't know. It, the, the Just the state of movies is sad these days, too, because, you know, we, we always talk about this. And if you're not a franchise, an established franchise, let me correct myself. If you're not Marvel, you're not, you know, Harry Potter or DC, I guess, would even be one. You just you don't really stand a chance in today's box office market between that and the fact that less and less people are going to the movies, mostly due to movie. You know, it, it costs you 17, 18 dollars to go to the movies each time. They're blaming bad films on box office decline, but it's not bad films. It's it's a mixture of ticket prices, streaming services, things like that. Is Spider-Man what the summer box office needs? Maybe. Who's to say there's other movies out there that aren't also going to be good? Like, what was your initial hype level? What? Because you saw it two days ago. So what made you want to go out really quick and see, see this movie? Were you that excited about it or was it just something that to talk about? When I go see these movies early on, I know part of it for me was to keep everybody updated on what's going on with pop culture out there, doing in the show and things of that nature to take care of that. But also as well, my family was excited in going and see it because of the vibes we got from Avengers Endgame. And yes, I mentioned previously on the shows that we've been on, not only the Pop Culture Cosmos, but also as well other shows in the past that... I thought Avengers Endgame was a great way to close out the Infinity Saga, and I thought Spider-Man Far From Home maybe was a movie that could have come sooner or later. Maybe you should have held off on it for a little while, or maybe you should have said, hey, this is going to be starting Phase 5 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatnot. Just, it just seems like I've said that a few times, and I went in there with that mindset still, I wanted to go see it because of the fact that I was curious to see what was the fallout from Avengers Endgame and also the Infinity Saga as well as far as the whole decimation, the snap, the whole nine yards. Now they call it something else in the movie, but I'll elaborate on that here in a little bit. But the hype level was there. You know, it was getting pretty solid reviews. So I, the interest is there. Marvel right now, and even when you talk about Sony, for the most part, has my attention and has me excited just because I know that when they put their stamp on something, for the most part, they're going to put out a good product that I can believe in, that I can go ahead and spend money on and be confident. I'm at least going to get something out of it that is worthwhile for the most part. And there's a lot of good word for the movie out there. So I decided to go ahead and check it out early. I was very interested. But yes, a lot of it is based off of my excitement for Avengers Endgame and, and how much I enjoyed that both that and Infinity War, but also as well, we won't be getting a Marvel movie in this Marvel Cinematic Universe for quite some time. There's been no date set. I know we'll probably find out or have a better idea coming later this month at Comic-Con, so it could be a long time before we see another entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so maybe that's probably the main reason why I wanted to see it the most, or so quickly, I should say. 
Yeah, and like that that makes sense to me because I remember like when the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies came out, like I was super pumped about that because I love you know Spider Man's one of my favorite comic book characters, mostly because well I'm sure he's the same thing for everyone just because he's so he's so relatable. You know, we talked about this before. He's the everyman hero. He faces all the issues we do, and I think that's one of the reasons people love him so much. But going into this one, like I don't know, it's a, it could be a mixture of things. Like it could be like people are going to be excited to see it because they want to see that last movie and be uh, you know before that one and a half year gap between you know this and whatever whatever happens to come next or it could be people could be still burnt out on in-game because that was such heavy content that was thrown at you that people are just kind of like eh, okay and you also have to take into consideration that we have a three-month gap now between when the movie hits theaters and when it comes out on digital or blu-ray or whatever so some people don't really mind waiting that extra three months to watch a movie from the comfort of their home so it could really go it could go any way but you know i'm not i i do this is something i do want to see in the movie theaters but i at this point like i don't know what the box office turnout is going to be because homecoming right it did okay but it didn't do like a smashing numbers right well if you're talking about overall and the marvel cinematic universe it did fairly well, but for Sony, it was a big hit. It earned just under $900 million worldwide at the box office. For Sony, this is the number two movie all time worldwide at the box office. Yes, it isn't the biggest of the Spider-Man movies. It is still something that is very well thought of, something that did pretty good at the box office. And even in the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it what when you consider it no it wasn't a billion dollar movie maker like some of the others it's still something that in the high 800 million dollars that's still comparative to the some of the other movies in the marvel cinematic universe it's i guess what middle of the road per se you know almost 900 million dollars is what middle of the road that's not a bad thing to have as far as the marvel cinematic universe is concerned yeah but i mean point being it's not you know, it wasn't in game by any means. So no, 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 and I don't think anybody's asking that far from home be anywhere near in game as well. Yeah, but you you got to take into consideration like the the better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for you know not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. So it's <laughs> you know the bar keeps going up and up and are we eventually going to get to the point where marvel ends up shooting themselves in the foot by putting out a movie that ends up being good but it just gets medium box office numbers and then it just does not do so well in comparison to some of the other ones if this movie makes over a billion dollars i think sony will be happy and sony has to be happy so will marvel because in the fact that it would become the biggest spider-man movie of all time so as of right now it's still not sure how as well it's going to do. We're going to have to probably wait until week two before we really get an idea on where it will stand. But I think it will do pretty good at the box office. I think it will have its, its say, and I think there's going to be a good word of mouth on it. Now, again, I have some thoughts on it in detail, and I will be going into spoilers. You might want to tune out when I give you the clue in on it, but when you were in the home stretch for Spider-Man Far From Home. I know you haven't got a chance to see it yet, my friend, but what is it for you, the excitement to go ahead and see? Because you are a big Spider-Man fan, but I want to know what the drive is as far as Far From Home and what you want the movie to be about and, and to explain to you along the way. 
you know, I don't really have any expectations with Marvel movies, especially. I try to go in with zero expectations because I don't want to be disappointed. Like the last Marvel film I went in with expectations was Black Panther. And I ended up not really enjoying that one as much as I would have liked. But, you know, I really just I want to see the aftermath of, of Endgame. And I also want to see how Peter is interacting how he's he's doing after the events of, of you know Tony Stark's death and all that, and how he's interacting with his classmates. Are they talking about you know the what was it the two or three years that they were gone, non-existing? Uh, you know what's is going it on five there? years? Is it five years? Yeah, and what's going five on with, years later? Later, uh, with like Happy Hogan and uh, you know his aunt and all that. I just want to know like I want them to dive into like how those characters felt in the years after the snap that's what i'm more curious about but i also want to see that dynamic that makes spider-man spider-man like how does how does a kid with everyday issues deal with those everyday issues while keeping to his responsibilities of being spider-man you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials listen up all you gamers out there Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com and if you use the code Vitabrace50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband or use the code buy one get one and it's buy one get one free that's right just use the code vitabrace50 or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some vitabrace gaming wristbands so check it out today at miraclefruitoil.com vitabrace win with it I'm going to go into some spoilers right now, my friends. So you need to shut off that headphone and everybody else. I'm going to talk for about maybe five to seven minutes on it. I'll try to keep it real brief on the spoilers, but it is going into spoiler territory. So we're going to go ahead and navigate through that right now. I will tell you right now, as far as my Wait, thoughts. On, oh. I got to remember how to mute my thing here. Talk, 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 talk. Oh my gosh. Hold on. This is, a, this is, this is a thing. Okay, a- I'm going to go into my review right now while he's listening and just spoil it for him right yeah, now. Let's go into my, my headphones. Here we go. All right. <laughs> okay. So right now I will tell you that my thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home is this, is that it is overall a good but not great addition and, or great part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I really feel that there were opportunities to go ahead and, you know, what Josh talked about as far as, what he wants out of the story in regards to expanding or finding out more knowledge of what went on or the ramifications of the snap, the decimation, or as they call it in the movie, the blip, as far as that period of time, the five years between snap and what happened in Endgame. Unfortunately, you don't get a lot of that and it's not nearly as much as I would have liked. And that part to me was a little bit of a bummer. There is a overshadow of Iron Man throughout the movie, so his presence is there throughout because it is such an influence on Spider-Man, of course, being a mentor and being a father-like figure to him. I still think at this point in time that they should have delved more into that issue, but they wanted to go ahead and focus more on more of a backstory or the burgeoning relationship between 
Tom Holland and Zendaya, who both did an admirable job. And obviously Tom Holland trying to balance out what Josh was talking about as far as the responsibilities of being Spider-Man, but also the responsibilities or his desires of just being a 16-year-old kid. His focus is as far as trying to be able to balance out both his personal responsibilities and his responsibilities as a superhero. That type of balance in and of itself, the quandary that he's in, it's told okay, it's told not told great. Jake Gyllenhaal does a pretty good job in the role of Mysterio. I really like the fact that beforehand when he was almost taking up that mentorship role or talking to Peter and the relationship and bonding that they had, yes, it is Mysterio and it ultimately becomes a farce in the end. But when you find out Mysterio's true role and true ambitions in the movie, he, he turns it up a notch into super evil, maybe a little bit too quickly, starts twirling that evil mustache, maybe a little bit too much for my desire. Yes, he does have motivations on why he does it. It's sort of jam-packed in there as far as his motivations on why he's doing what he's doing and the assistance of all of his crew and former Stark associates like he was because he came up with the system, the virtual reality system that was shown off in Captain America's Civil War. So for me, it was an experience that was good but not great. The ending scene, the last third of the movie, is kind of good, but not hitting all the right notes from what I wanted it to hit. Yes, a lot of the questions are answered as far as what we saw from the trailer. In fact, if you watch the trailers, a lot of the scenes that are in the trailers are actually not even in the movie, which is quite interesting. But I will say that the movie itself does focus on some issues maybe a little bit too long for my taste and doesn't focus on the one issue I really wanted to, to focus more on. And that is the fallout from the, again, Endgame and also as well, Infinity War. They only briefly touch on it within the first few minutes. They also throw out little nuggets at you during the course of the film, but they really don't touch on it very much after the beginning of the film. And to me, that was kind of disappointing because this is something on a universal scale and it just didn't even seem to barely register after the first few minutes of the film very much. And I was kind of disappointed in that. And overall, like I said, it was a good but not great representation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I personally like Homecoming more because I thought that had just a unique charm of its 80s feel and whatnot that really resonated with me a lot more than what was going on with Far From Home. It tried to do some of those throwback or tried to reach into the 80s and 90s nostalgia type stuff, but it really didn't connect as well as it did in Homecoming. Far From Home is an enjoyable movie, and I think everybody should go out of their way to see it, but still, it's not quite at the level of Homecoming. And to me, what I've said before still stands today. I think this movie did not fit very well as an ending for the Infinity Saga. And they should have just basically ended it with Endgame. This movie would have better been served maybe a year later, coming in 2020, with a more detailed explanation of the ramifications of what went on in Infinity War and Endgame. Because those two movies are so much more important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what's going on in Spider-Man Far From Home, because this is more localized, this is on a much smaller scale. But I will say this, to me, the best thing about the movie is following it all the way to the end, and you do need to stay for the two end credits, because 
not only does it set up the next Spider-Man movie, but also as well, it sets up a very interesting part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. So again, it's a good movie, but I didn't get out of it everything I wanted to get out of it. And I really wanted to have it be something special and a great way to close out this Infinity Saga. Instead, this is a movie that I think would have been best served as a initial part of Phase 5 instead of being an ending of Phase 4. So those are my thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home. As soon as Josh sees it, we're going to be able to go ahead and share more spoilerific thoughts, hopefully by the time our Pop Culture Cosmos show comes out on Monday, plus also as well in succeeding episodes down the line, including our show on Monday the 15th, because then we're going to go ahead and replay on the Pop Culture Cosmos show. We're going to have a simultaneous thing. Josh is going to be in Orange County. I'm, I'm going to be at Retro City Games for their game night, but we're also going to be there recording a show and talking about our thoughts on the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe through the Infinity Saga. We're going to have a list and countdown of all those movies there. We're going to have that live for you on Saturday, July 13th, and going to replay a good portion of that on our Pop Culture Cosmos show coming up on the 15th as well. So stay tuned for our thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home in the coming weeks, and stay tuned for our thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole coming up as well, even through the month because Comic-Con is coming up. I'm sure a lot of release dates for upcoming MCU movies and more Marvel news will be coming up there as well. If you've seen Spider-Man Far From Home and you want to share your thoughts on the movie, please share it with us. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Coming up next, right after the break, we're going to be talking about some good stuff when it comes to the future of the Lord of the Rings series. It found a director for the first couple episodes. We're going to talk a little bit more about the age that it takes place in and if it's something that a lot of people will want to see when it concerns the Lord of the Rings. This is the PCT Multiverse. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. All right, and we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. My friend, did you get a chance to hear that the very expensive, already out the box, because it's already cost Amazon $500 million on this, the Lord of the Rings series, it did find a director, J.A. Bayona, who's done a lot of great stuff out there. In fact, yes, he did The Orphan, he did The Impossible, he's done a Monster Calls, he's done a lot of great things. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, let's not forget that. He did, That's a major movie. Now, that one wasn't so universally loved as far as from a critical standpoint, but boy, did it make some big dollars at the box office, and you know that ultimately that's what counts. So he's going to be heading up the first couple episodes and be an executive producer on the series. But I wanted to talk to you about The Lord of the Rings as far as taking place in the Second Age, which if you're not as familiar with the Lord of the Rings universe, so your thoughts on the Lord of the Rings series taking place in the Second Age, which is the age where the original destruction of Sauron took place. I mean, 
we can see that when it comes to what the original lord of the rings movie when you take a look at it it's in that first two three minutes as far as when sauron the first time he falls this deals with that age when it was in a larger prominence and role of of many of the cultures and species that are described so well in the lord of the rings saga yeah so the the second age is when sauron creates the rings so he creates the rings and he goes to war with the uh people of numenor if I remember correctly, there's a bad guy before Sauron and he gets banished. And then this the second age revolves mostly around the wizards and what happened to them. And I know there's like there's Gandalf the Grey, Saruman the White, Radici the Brown, I think. And there's two others that they never really talk about again. But I think the second age is mostly about the elves and the wizards. And this is the emergence of man. My, because I'm reading a lot here about how they are going to use Aragorn in this, but I don't think Aragorn was alive during the Second Age, if I remember correctly. I thought his story is mostly in the Third Age. I thought so as well. I mean, I understand the fact that he was what eight years old when the events of the movies take place. I think was he or was he not? Yeah, because he was one of the Dúnedain Rangers, you know, blessed with naturally long life. But it is also because his mom was an elf, right, and his dad was a human. That's correct. That's why he can speak yeah. the elven tongue so well. That's why they let him stay at Rivendale all those years when he was a kid. I understand that they're limited on what they can do within the Tolkien universe. But to me, is this something that's going to, if done correctly, encapture an audience? I'm not going to say as similar to The Lord of the Rings, because even though the Hobbit movies did garner close to a billion dollars each and every time that they came out with one, I don't think they really encaptured the type of excitement that was there for the first three Lord of the Ring movies. So I'm not expecting the series to do that, but do you think it at least can garner something that, as far as from a streaming audience is concerned, can at least generate that type of enthusiasm and be a must-watch for streaming fans? Yeah, I think so, because there's enough content there. Because most of this, the Second Age stuff comes out of the Silmarillion the unfinished tales of Numenor and Middle Earth and the fall of Numenor and the Lost Road, which are books that came out, you know, in the 80s posthumous. But there's a lot of content in there that hasn't been covered. They never made a movie out of the Silmarillion because it jumps around so much and there's so much content there. But there's a lot of interesting stories to be told. So if they could find a way to put all that in chronological order, like there's a lot of big epic battle scenes and to me, a Lord of the Rings movie revolves around battle scenes, a well-written script, and a killer soundtrack. And that's what keeps me wanting to go back and watch these movies every couple of years is, are you know pretty much those things, the fantasy elements. They have a golden opportunity here to cash in on something that Game of Thrones sucked at, and that was introducing all the fantasy elements, right? So Game of Thrones had the dragons, but they didn't, they didn't pull through with it. And what's really cool about this is that this is all canon. Right. So that's why they're not breaking into Hobbit ter- or the Third Age, because they don't want it to overshadow what's been done by New Line Cinema. Right. They don't want it to overshadow the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or any of that stuff. So they're trying to keep it canon. So they're not you know, retracing their steps. That's awesome because there's so much there's so much there. There's there's you could write probably 10 seasons of this show, but it's going to be expensive. You know, the Lord of the Rings budgets were. Hold on. Let me let me look this up. Well, for the time, it being in the early 2000s, it was something that, you're right, is was very expensive for 90, its nature. $93 million. So, I mean, they're already 
what do they say it's like 100 million per episode something like that well i know it's 500 million dollars to actually get the rights to go ahead and do it so i don't think 100 million dollars per episode is going to be feasible because that's just making it too pricey for yeah. amazon right. but i i think for doing it it's going to be one of the most costly television shows they are going to be filming in new zealand again for the series but it's going to be one of the pricier ones but again it's all about the ratings if the ratings are there and the and the viewership is there amazon's going to be dishing out the bucks and they can afford it at least for the short term of course yeah but let me ask you this though like what but if your prime membership goes up yeah netflix we're talking to you but we've, we've never actually discussed Lord of the Rings in, in detail, but what would you like to see out of this, you know, in terms of both style and storytelling? This part fascinates me because, again, it was just very, uh, it wasn't touched upon very much. Like you, like I said, in the, you, you see a little bit of the Second Age, what, in the first few minutes in that flashback that's presented at the beginning of the first movie, The Lord of the Rings, then it's only talked about very briefly in little bits and pieces throughout the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. So this fascinates me. I want to know more about the startup of a lot of these wizards, these characters, these legends that are, are just spoken about either or just represented very briefly or, or spoken about in passing as far as throughout the course of the film. Lord of the Rings is deep in lore. And that's one of the things I want to get more into is the lore of the Lord of the Rings and just understand more about it from both a good and evil perspective. You know, the rise of Sauron, like you said, Sauron's predecessor, and also as well, the wizards and entities and species that were created that are viable in the series at that point in time, the second age that lived to go ahead at that period of time to stop those evil entities so i really want to know more about that plus it is the starting of the rise of man and the i guess the last alliance at that point in time for the second age of men elves and and all that so i want to understand more about what broke them up what happened to the alliance of men and elves that caused that breakup just before the third age started and you know we've seen what's going on as far as later than that with the lord of the rings films and how well that was and even the hobbit films love it or leave it type deal they still told a a great bit of detail as far as the hobbit series concerned so we've got the hobbit series which dictated the world just before the lord of the rings movies i want to go even further into that and that's what i want to know more about is the lore well before the hobbit movies and also the lord of the rings movies I want to understand and learn more about it. And hopefully the Amazon series will do just that. Yeah, because, it, you know, the intro to Fellowship of the Rings, they, that little, what, five minute snippet of how things came to be, that could have been a whole series of movies in itself. So there's I'm, I'm there's a lot of people who I'm, I'm, are on that boat. So the, this this show doesn't it's not starting out a disadvantage like Game of Thrones did. It already has an established fan base. So there's going to be people who are going to tune in regardless. And, uh, you know, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, same. I'm going to be watching it too, but it's going to be interesting to see like how many people are tuning in just to troll it. You know, like we have the, the Star Wars mentality and how many people are going to watch it in hopes of recapturing that magic and returning to Middle Earth and the soundtracks and all that great stuff that made us so in love with the first, you know, the Lord of the Rings and for some The Hobbit. But you also as well, 
inferred to that as far as the Game of Thrones, if it's done well enough, this could capture a large portion of that audience, I believe. No, I definitely agree. It, it'll fill the gap. HBO keeps saying, you know, Westworld is going to fill the gap before it. Whatever they're, they're showing is going to fill the gap. I don't think so because there aren't any, like, sword and sorcery shows on TV. You know, you don't get that. Game of Thrones was something, but it didn't end well. Lord of the Rings ha- it already, Lord of the Rings can't really do any wrong as far as, you know, an ending goes too because we already know where it goes. So it's up to them really to just create big enough moments to make it feel like an okay ending until the next season starts. And I think that, you know, they have whether well, their lead writers, uh, you know, they have Jennifer Hutchinson in the writing room from breaking bad and Brian Cogman from game of Thrones. And uh, the lead writers are JD Payne, and Patrick McCain, who have done a few other sword and sorcery type flicks. I, I, I think they got this covered and J.A. Boyena, he's only doing the first two episodes, but I'd be interested because that's what's going to set the bar right for the rest of the series. So I'm, I'm curious to see maybe we'll get some other cool directors in there. Maybe we'll get the Russos. Maybe Kevin Smith will do something. It, it just it'll be cool to see where it goes. George R. R. Martin even like or, or Steve, Steve, ben, Steve Benioff and um, DBYs like it'll be there, there's a huge opportunity to get all kinds of different takes on the Lord of the Rings series into this with with a different, um, you know, different directors, different voices, different people shaping where the story goes by keeping it in a coherent narrative and that's something i'm really excited about but no peter jackson i, I don't think he would want to do it i think that he would be i don't know i i, I think that he would be he's he's too he, he's not removed enough from it to to really actually maybe i mean that that could be interesting i don't know if they'll, they'd be able to afford him but i don't think he's removed enough from the series to really give it give it uh <laughs> give it a, a good I don't know. We, we've seen his takes, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I'd like to see some new voices in there. Maybe after Moro Engines, he might need a job. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I watched that movie, by the way. It's not it's not good, but it's not, like, awful. I didn't turn it off at any point. But It's um, not good, but it's not, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not awful. Um, it's not awful. I guess that's the best way to say it. It's not awful. Right, right. I just uh, real quick, if we have a minute, I just want to talk about this Russell Crowe's comments on Howard Stern. Do you, do you read those? On no, no. Go right? ahead. Tell us what Russell Crowe has to say. So I guess he was originally offered the point, the part of Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings, because he had just done come off Gladiator and a couple other things, and Warner Brothers forced Peter Jack or told Peter Jackson, you know, if you want our budget, if, or if you want us to back this movie, you have to call. Russell Crowe and see and offer him the part of Aragorn. So he he did that, and I guess Peter Jackson already wanted um what's his name to play Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen. So he he calls Russell Crowe and they have this conversation. But Russell Crowe could tell like in Peter Jackson's voice because they're both New Zealanders that he didn't really want him on the movie. So Russell Crowe turned it down. But here's the thing: if he would not have turned it down, Peter Jack or you know the studio offered him. 10% 10% of the back end grosses of the film, which equals out to about a hundred million dollars. So I don't know if Russell Crowe needs it, but that's a lot of millions. Exactly. But if that's the case and the director doesn't want you, it, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard sell. It's true. But what are your thoughts out there on a series for the Lord of the Rings? Uh, it's finally starting to come to fruition. It's finally starting to become a reality. Directors are being named to direct episodes. J.A. Boinea from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He's now set to go ahead and be a part of the series. What are your thoughts out there on the Lord of the Rings series? Is it something you're in, waiting for with anticipation? 
Are you wanting to delve more into the lore of the Lord of the Rings? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, I know, Josh, you wanted to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. I know that there's some rumors going out, and it's not been denied by CD Projekt Red that there not only could be one game, but even more coming up in the Cyberpunk 2077 universe. I know there's a role-playing game that's coming out, a tabletop role-playing game that's coming out later this year. I know that's got us interested. I've heard that there's possibly even coming out some, some maybe some other stuff as well. Your thoughts on a possibility of a Cyberpunk 2077 universe that's already maybe in motion before even the first game comes out. Is that a little bit pretentious? Is that a little bit saying it's a little too soon to delve into that part of it? Let's make the first one success before we go into it more. Or is it because The Witcher 3 was such a big success that people will get into Cyberpunk 2077 and be able to go ahead and, and delve more into that aspect of the universe? I think they're they're jumping the gun here a little bit, maybe putting too many eggs in one basket. But it's interesting because, you know, they reached out, Polygon reached out to CD Projekt Red and they responded with this. They said, we currently, uh, this is coming from Polygon, written by Charlie Hall. It says, we currently have a total of five teams working on a number of projects, with three focusing on the development of Cyberpunk 2077. These include CD Projekt Red, Warsaw, and Krakow, who are handling the main game as well as Warclaw Studio. Around 40 industry specialists are engaged in technology, a separate, and they have a separate team working on Gwent. But it's interesting because they have three teams, right? So all three of these teams can't be working just on the main entry Cyberpunk 2077 game. My assumption is that these are going to be DLCs that are going to be added onto it, and they're going to be about the size of another game, kind of like the Assassin's Creed Fate of Atlantis type things, because I think it's too soon to know. Well, there's a lot of hype around Cyberpunk 2077. I feel like it's too soon to really say, Hey, we're gonna make all these spin-offs because you don't know if it if it's going to have like an anthem situation where everything just spins out of control and they're like, well, we can't salvage this anymore. So it seems kind of kind of dangerous to me. But what I mean, where do, what do you think about it? I agree with you because we're going off The Witcher Three, Witcher Two, and the original Witcher, good solid games, but they did not generate anywhere near the type of enthusiasm and sales and all that nine yards that The Witcher 3 did. The Witcher 3 hit all, hit on all the right notes and it catapulted and rocketed CD Projekt Red to the major studio it has now become. Let's put that out there. And I think people are basing Cyberpunk 2077 and anticipating its future success solely off that. Now, they've made a lot of right moves when it comes to the anticipation of this game, getting Keanu Reeves, helping coming up with this environment that was already something that they're adapting to because this is not their original IP. This is something that, that's out there that isn't adapted off of written works already. So they've, they've done a great job of, of marketing, like you said, Josh, and they've done a great job of promoting it. Mind you, they did have an issue with, as, as one of our recent guests, are you talking about the like the the trans the, the way people yes at, yeah actually yeah with Dr. Mata Hagesburge he did come on our show recently and he did say that you know and did expound upon the controversy as far as the transgender issue that was shown uh, and the ad that was shown inside the actual original trailer that was 
that was presented out there at E three. So that was something that even was a little bit of a setback, but yeah. for the most part, it's been pretty good so far. And there is a lot of hype for it. It earned a lot of awards as far as at E three, as far as hype is concerned. A lot of outlets out there are really behind it and and really saw what was going on with it. And from a first person shooter standpoint, it looks like it will really be good. There were some issues early on. People were worried about CD Projekt Red going from a third-person aspect to a first-person aspect with Cyberpunk 2077 when they had such success with a third-person aspect with The Witcher 3. But I think they're making, for the most part, some really good moves. They can stay out of those issues like they did with the transgender issue, fix those, and go forward with a more positive in total vibe and especially focus a little bit more on Keanu Reeves because, you know, right in the middle of a Keanu sans and you can't help that right now because all that's going on. If they still keep focus on the game itself and what's going on and the positive aspects of it, they're going to go ahead and still initially get all that hype. And I think there is a little bit to the, maybe anticipating what this universe could be because I believe they're working with the author of the series in coordination in regards to this game as well. I didn't know it was based on books. I'll have to do some. Yeah, it is based. It, it is an it is an adaptation of the pen and paper tabletop RPG series that was created by Mike Pondsmith back in the late '80s, and so it's involved from there as far as from Cyberpunk to Cyberpunk 2020. There was a Volume Three, and then Cyberpunk 2077 is the culmination of what's gone on. So it looks like if this game does well as far as what CD Projekt Red is doing, as far as adapting this from the work of Mike Pondsmith, that it's going to go ahead and evolve in, into even something more. But again, this is going off of a company that has one major hit only. And with one major hit only, this is a big, big gamble right now for people to go ahead and put all their weight behind Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, and it's weird because even with the that you know the controversy you were talking about, and you got to think about the theme of the game too. Like it's you're customizing your body, whether it's it's biologically or through machine parts. You know, it's kind of I guess a more extreme version of Deus Ex. But you know, even with that publicity or whatever negativity came out of it, like it still was publicity for them. It still made it got clicks. It made people interested in it. It's just it's. It feels like they can't do any wrong right now, except like if the game sucks, in which case, you know, that that could be bad. But again, like, yeah, you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. I think that three projects is enough. If those three projects were maybe one of them is like a switch port or, you know, again, DLC, like that would make sense to me. But if they're, well, doing... they're already trying to do a switch port of The Witcher 3 and let's see how that goes. Uh, hopefully it doesn't lag. I do. If it is on switch, though, I will play it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm down to play it. I, I'm. I don't know what these other three spinoffs are going to be. One of them I know is a multiplayer, and it's supposed to be like a fifty-player multiplayer. I guess you'd call that battle royale. But I don't know what these three projects could be. But I think it's before they start jumping on like sequels and stuff. They need to make sure that this game is good because I. I guarantee you, EA probably had similar plans with Anthem, and that didn't pan out, as we all seem to have realized by now. Exactly, exactly. Don't get me started on that because that's a whole nother half hour of conversation right there for you. But what are your thoughts out there, everyone, on Cyberpunk 2077? Are you excited for what's coming up within the universe of Cyberpunk 2077 and possibly even more games beyond the title that's coming out next year within the Cyberpunk universe? Share us your thoughts. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, when we return, we're going to close out the show with our thoughts on the nightmare before Christmas, something near and dear to many of our hearts out there in pop culture. Should it go live action? We'll share our thoughts right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played on radio all over the world seven days a week, check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You'll also get a listing of many of our podcast options as well. And I want to give a shout out to two of our entities that do play our shows and we cannot thank them enough for doing so. Want to give Buddy Gold and Croc Radio and all their great listeners a big hello up there in Canada. Thank you so much for playing the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. I also want to give a big shout out to Podcoin. We were recently added here in the past couple of months to their great podcast app. If you want to go ahead and listen to Podcoin, it does pay to listen to Podcoin. So you want to check out Podcoin today on the Podcoin app. You want to check out the Pop Culture Cosmos on the Podcoin app. It's right there for you, all of our listing for all of our shows. And it does pay you for listening. And if you're a podcaster, it also will pay you out for being on the Podcoin app as well. Man, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on besides congratulations, you suck when it comes to Humanic Media. I know Topagoclips is on a break, but what does the future hold for everything great at Humanic Media? Uh, there's a few projects going on. I just need to find time to get back to them. The, I'm, I'm hoping to have some stuff ready by the end of summer, hopefully late August sometime. I got a docuseries that I've been writing and trying to get footage for, so you'll know stuff when I do. Stay tuned, uh, but for now, like you can just keep up to date with everything I'm doing on the Pop Culture Cosmos. There you go, there you go. And then also Humanica Media on all social media outlets and HumanicaMedia.com as well. Well, my friend, I know this is a touchy subject to you, I definitely know it's a touchy subject to my good friends, Nicole and Doug at Retro City Games, because they are huge fans of this film. And I remember going getting a Jack Skeleton outfit at Disneyland for them, for their brand new child so that they, that they have. So I want to ask you, my friend, there are rumors out there, and you know it had to come sooner or later that there would be rumors out there about Disney thinking, contemplating, and possibly even doing a live action format for the nightmare before Christmas. Now, again, this is a movie we've talked about before on an episode. When you go to pop culture cosmos channel and you look out the search out the episodes, if you do a search on the nightmare before Christmas, we had an extensive, extensive conversation on this on its most recent big anniversary. So I ask you, my friend with all that said and done, and it does have its lore within as far as pop culture. And it is a, it's, I guess it's risen from a cult favorite status to something even more. 
And a lot of people who love it now haven't even seen the movie and love just the designs and the characters and things of that nature. Tell me your thoughts. Is this something that you are really against or really for when it comes to a live action version of The Nightmare Before Christmas? I honestly feel like it would be terrifying. I don't know how they would do it without making it actually give kids nightmares because there's a lot of stuff in there that that's still, you know, if I dwell on it for any amount of time still gives me nightmares. So I don't know. I don't know how they would do that because it's still it's not a cartoon and it, it's claymation. But, you know, I'm we're, we're looking at something that has the the pro, the high probability of looking like Jim Carrey's Grinch movie, which didn't look good, you know, and it's it doesn't it doesn't hold up that well. So I don't know. Is there a need for it? I don't think there's a need for it. it it's still it. You watch it and they, they reproduce it every year. So, I mean, you watch it, you can watch it on Blu-ray and it's still it holds up quite well. And I don't know how they would go about making a, again, making a live action version without giving kids nightmares. So uh, just like the, the idea of Mr. Oogie Boogie, like a, a live action version of him, it would be absolutely terrifying. Like it, it would be scarier than watching it. <laughs> Well, you know, it'll be Disney-fied in some form or fashion if that's the case. But I'm not surprised. Should anybody really be surprised that this is actually something that Disney could be contemplating? No, but it's just, it's, you know, we've talked about the idea that The Nightmare Before Christmas is a cult classic among Disney fans, right? Like, it's one of those things, if you were to go and touch this and it were to be bad there would be a lot of backlash like the internet would never forget it and that's a high risk for something that didn't perform well in the box office in the first place but had you know slowly grew so will the live action one grow over time who knows do people want it i don't i don't think so i think a lot of the live action movies i don't think people want but again like the you i don't think you'd be able to disneyfy it because just like the the images and stuff would have to be in order for it to be good and be convincing, it would have to look surreal and visceral and scary. And I don't see that happening. But then again, you know, they're hit and miss. Dumbo, Mary Poppins, Christopher Robin. No, they did not hit. But then again, you have Aladdin, which we haven't talked about really that much since it came out. That has sneaked up along the charts and had legs as far as box office week after week after week. And it most likely will end up right around the billion dollar mark which is a big success story for something which came out okay and did pretty good during the course of the the Memorial Day holiday season. And then it's just continued to go ahead and find money each and every week. So they're having the success of that. And I think you and I both agree on that The Lion King is going to be huge, I think, as far as a live-action remake. And Beauty and the Beast was a big success as a live-action remake. So... Yes, it is hit and miss for Disney, and this is something that probably would be the biggest test if it would be released as a live-action remake, if The Nightmare Before Christmas is actually a huge, worldwide, commercially viable product. We don't know that for sure. I mean, yes, it's risen out of the depths of a cult classic, and still people love watching it and love actually getting the products from it each and every year and they love wearing the jack skellington costumes and they love going ahead and and being part of the fun and and being involved and interested in the characters that make up the nightmare before christmas 
But man, I, I don't know. This is a big risk. I'm sure they're going to take it, whether or not they put it on a large screen possibility or they go ahead and they put it on a Disney Plus. A live action reimagining of A Nightmare Before Christmas is a big risk to take. And then, like you said, it could end up hurting the movie itself that it's based off of. Yeah, there's about a hundred ways that this could backfire on them. And I know people are a little more forgiving when it comes to, you know, the, the quality of the live action versions of these movies, but this is this is a risk not just financially for Disney, but also if you're trying to introduce this movie to future generations and kids go and see this live action one before seeing the cartoon one, it's going to frighten them. I guarantee you it's gonna frighten them. So it's it's something I wouldn't do, and it's something I wouldn't be interested in, though I would see it just to, you know, have something to discuss with people. But I don't see it working very well. It, one of the coolest things about the movie is just the, the shapes of, the, of all the characters, right? The shapes and the animations and stuff. And I just don't see that being translated well onto a live action format. We didn't think a blue genie would work either. But you know what? It did. And it did in spades for Will Smith and Aladdin. So... We'll have to wait and see if this becomes a reality, if it's put on a smaller format, if Disney won't gamble letting it be on a larger format like cinema screens all over the world, or if they just want to put it onto a streaming service like their own Disney+. Plus. We'll have to wait and see, but for now, it's not getting the type of interest or the type of approval online that I think Disney wants to hear. But, you know, every now and then they shun that and they put that aside and they go ahead and, and they say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and do it anyway. So only time will tell if A Nightmare Before Christmas gets the live action treatment. And for us here that have a great affection for the movie itself, let's hope that ultimately ends up not being the case. What are your thoughts out there on The Nightmare Before Christmas getting the live action treatment? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, it's been a great episode, a lot of stuff to talk about indeed. I know I was going to talk about NBA free agents, but we're still waiting on Kawhi as of this recording. So you know what? I'm going to have to push it off a little bit until the Monday episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. I've got Anthony Barberin hopefully going to go ahead and talk with me about the movers and shakers in NBA free agency this year. So I'm really excited to talk about that. And hopefully Kawhi Leonard will finally find a home by that time. Also as well, Daphne Matthew, I've got her scheduled to talk to me about what's going on with the walking dead because the walking dead comic book series has come to an end with episode 193 robert kirkman's adventure into the undead is finally coming to an end what does this mean for the franchise itself we're going to talk about that coming up on our monday show as well all right my friend it's been a great episode any last thoughts on the way out no, I think we covered it. There's been a lot going on this week, and I'm sure, you know, with summer starting, there's going to be a lot more to talk about, you know, in the coming coming weeks, too. And also, everyone be safe. On Actually, is this, no, this will not be out on the 4th of July, so I redact that statement. I'm going to say everybody have a safe weekend, though. Have a safe weekend, everyone. You know, if you're going out to the river or hanging out at home, just be safe, have fun, and enjoy yourself. You know somebody's going to be hoarding all those extra fireworks left over from the 4th of, of July. Of course. And don't scare people's dogs. You know, that's, that's, it's not cool. It's not cool. That's true. But right now, man, I'm really hungry. So I'm going to go get me a burrito at Taco Bell before you see them being sold for $100 on eBay. Yeah, do it. And get some of them nacho fries. What sauce do you use? Okay, so here's my thing. 
I like fire sauce, but when I go to Taco Bell, I go through the drive-thru and I come home and I use Del Taco's Inferno sauce on the tacos. You can never go wrong like that. Never. Oh my gosh. That's like putting Pepsi on a Coke, man. Mm, except, uh, actually, this is another conversation for another time. I don't want to, I don't want to step on myself here. <laughs> but we didn't even talk about the Taco Bell Hotel. It's sold out. Can't even get a room otherwise. The Taco Tell? The Taco Bell Hotel. Taco Tell. Yes, Taco Tell. Taco <laughs> Tell. With the fire packets or the pillows. Uh, as, and that's just a great idea. Del Taco Bell. Yeah, we're good. Del Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco <laughs> Bell, my friend. I tell you what, if you had Taco Bell's creativity and marketing with Wendy's Twitter account, there you go. You'd be good. But we would just need our tacos from Taco Bell to be less soggy. And then maybe I'd be more into them. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you had Taco Bell's marketing with Wendy's Twitter account, McDonald's would be out in a week. McDonald's still has their special batch of Coke, though. You go to Wendy's and you got to deal with those dang digital soda fountains that taste like everything in them at once. I'm still tapping on my selection. Still tapping because the screen doesn't work. Yeah, or there's like fingerprints all over it. Or it tastes like Fanta because someone just got a grape drink before you got your Coke. (laughs) That's true. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to esopodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.